Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Hey there, all my future paleontologists. I'm Dinosaur George, and I am back in the studio for another podcast. I've had a lot of you write to me and and give me some suggestions and ideas, which we appreciate a lot. And one of the suggestions I had that was given to me made me kind of stop and think. I've decided to kind of change things up a little bit. Now with the podcast, and let me tell you what that change will be. I'm going to go ahead and go right into the feature creature so that that's the first thing that we all learn about, because so many of you have so many things that you have to do. And, and like, sometimes you listen on the way to school. And by the time I've gone through all the shout outs and I've gone down the list of things on the dinosaur George kids, Facebook page. Well, you've missed the feature creature because you got to go to school. So from this point forward, I am going to do an introduction, which is basically a hello to everyone. I'll do some shout outs at the beginning, and then I will do the feature creature. And then I will go in and read the comments and make comments about the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page. Then we'll do the Ask Dinosaur George segment, and then we will end it up with the who would win, and then the interview with my Tyrannosaurus Rex Patreon member. So that's the new direction that we're going to be going. I want to tell you all that the latest results show that we are now listened to in 85 different countries across the world. This podcast is listened to in 85 countries. I am so proud of that and so thrilled with it. So for everyone all over the world, Thank you. Thank you for listening. And thank you for sending me such cool comments. And then I wanted to do a couple of short shout outs. This first one I wanted to tell you, this was emailed to us. It was a message from five-year-old Jack from Saskatchewan, Canada. Says Jack loves listening to to Dinosaur George on long car rides and has learned many interesting things. It's common for our family to hear, well, Dinosaur George said... (laughs) Which is awesome, by the way. That's so awesome. I'm glad to hear that. So um, Jack's mom or dad sent a picture of Jack's two favorite dinosaur toys, the Carnotaurus and T-Rex. And he did an awesome drawing of a Tyrannosaurus Rex as well. And just wanted to say thank you for your work. Well, Jack and his family, I just want to tell you all that is so kind of you. And thank you so much for sending me those pictures. I loved them. And thank you. And Jack, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. All right. Here's a couple of shout outs. This first one goes to Katie Council of PTAs in Katie, Texas. They hired me to come in and do an evening virtual lesson for them. And that was a lot of fun. Then Haley Elementary in the Woodlands, Texas. I did six lessons for them. Now, 
you can hire me to to do one lesson for the entire school, or you can have me do two lessons and kind of divide the school up into different age ranges. But they decided to have me speak to each individual grade lesson directly. And that was so much fun. That was six lessons. That was a lot of fun. Then I got a chance to speak to the West Bank Library in Austin, which I've done every month for months and months and months. I do once a month with them, and I absolutely love them, and I have so much fun seeing those students over and over again. And I especially like seeing everybody from the library as well. Then I did a show for Marshall Hill PTA, which was in West Milford, North, uh, uh, I mean, New Jersey. So thank you guys so much for letting me come in and see your school again. And then I did one for Fisher Elementary in Frisco, Texas, Scarborough Elementary in San Antonio, Texas. And then uh, Saturday morning, I'm going to do a lesson for a young man named Noah for his birthday. So I'm looking forward to doing that as well. So there's a shout out to all of the schools and the organizations where I did a virtual lesson. And let me just give you a quick update on what's going on with me. The uh, Dinosaur George catalog online, the website catalog is still, we're still adding new items. We should add a bunch more next week. Uh, and, and by the way, just so that you know, today is May the 6th. So when I say next week, that would be next week and the year's 2021, in case you are listening to this podcast sometime in the future. So uh, that catalog is going up. We now ship worldwide, no matter where you live. You can order off of our website. We'll mail it to you. And then also, I've been working like crazy. I told you all on the last podcast about my new museum. It is open. It is up and running. It is located at a place in San Antonio, Texas, called Trader's Village. And we will put a map and all details on our website soon. And uh, hopefully, if you are ever in or around the San Antonio area, I hope that you get a chance to stop by and say hello. All right, we're going to take a very brief time out. And when we come back, we're getting right into our feature creature, which today's feature creature is one of the most recognized dinosaurs in the world. Hey, kids. You can have a private virtual lesson with Dinosaur George. Have him speak at your birthday party or have a lesson just for you. Lessons last 45 minutes and are available to all countries and time zones. Visit our store at DinosaurGeorge.com and order your own private lesson today. It's time for our Feature Creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at DinosaurGeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your Feature Creature. When you say the word Triceratops, everyone knows who you're talking about. Triceratops is one of the most easily recognized dinosaurs in the world. No matter what country you're from, people love Triceratops. Me included, by the way. I love Triceratops. I cannot tell you how many times I had my Triceratops toys battling my carnivores. 
every single time I played dinosaurs, I always made sure my Triceratops was the leader of my herbivores because it was such a cool dinosaur. Now, the name Triceratops is not, that's not an English word. Most dinosaurs are not English words. They are in Latin or Greek. Triceratops is actually three words. Tri means three. Sarah means horns. And tops means face. In English, its name is three horn face because of the two giant horns over the eyes and the one on the nose. And just so that you know, we call those horns something different. The two that are over the eyes, the big ones, those are called brow horns. Think of your eyebrows, right? Your eyebrows go over your eyes. Those horns are over its eyes, so we call them the brow horns. Now, the little one on the nose, you can call it the nose horn or the nasal horn. Nasal is another word that represents the nose. So you can call it the nasal horn or the nose horn. But I want you to remember those two big ones are called the brow horns. Now, Triceratops is the largest member of the Ceratopsian family. If you've listened to my podcast, you know I tell you that we put animals into groups. First, we start with a real big group like mammals or like dinosaurs or like reptiles. And then the groups get smaller and smaller. Like, for instance, you have dinosaurs. Then you can divide them up between plant eaters and meat eaters. Or we divide them up by their hips. One kind of hip is called sorisian. And another kind of hip is called ornithischian. I know those are big words. We'll talk about those one of these days, what they mean. But basically, we keep putting them into smaller and smaller groups. Well, the ceratopsians, those are their own group. And within that group, there's a bunch of different kinds. Protoceratops, Styracosaurus, Chasmosaurus, uh, Monoclonius, uh, Pachyrhinosaurus. Those are all members of the Ceratopsian family. Of all the Ceratopsians, Triceratops is the biggest. This is a dinosaur that is 30 feet long. That means nine meters long. This is a very large dinosaur. And some people estimate that it weighed as much as 13 tons. Just to give you an idea, a big elephant usually weighs about six or seven tons. So this is a dinosaur that weighed as much or more than two elephants. Now, they're found throughout Western North America. You know, somebody asked me once, how come so many dinosaurs are found along the western side of North America? Well, there's two reasons. One reason is because the time when Triceratops was alive, the ocean divided North America into two pieces. Triceratops could only live on the western side because it couldn't swim across the giant ocean to get to the other side. So it's not that dinosaurs didn't live on the other side of the United States. It's just that during the late Cretaceous, when Triceratops was around, the ocean split North America in half. 
So Triceratops lived along the western part of North America. That means from from Canada all the way down into probably as far south as Texas. Now, it lived during the late Cretaceous period, about 68 to 65 and a half million years ago. Triceratops would have been one of those dinosaurs that was there at the end of the age of dinosaurs. It would have seen the asteroid coming into our atmosphere. It would have heard the explosion when the asteroid struck. It would have suffered the fate of so many animals when the asteroid hit. So Triceratops was one of the last dinosaurs. It was a quadruped. That means it walks on all four legs. It cannot stand up on its hind legs. Maybe it could rear up like if it's fighting, maybe it could do that, but probably couldn't stand on its hind legs for very long. That's not the way he's made. And it's an herbivore. So let's start first by saying that the most impressive thing, along with its size, was its horns. Now, when you see a Triceratops skeleton in a museum, or you see the skull, or you see pictures of it, the horns never look very sharp. But that's because the horns used to be covered with something called keratin. Your fingernails are made of keratin. Well, there was like a big fingernail covering that covered the horns. It would have been very, very thick and very strong. They don't have horns like a rhinoceros. A rhinoceros's horns are made of hair. Triceratops's horn was made of bone with a covering of keratin. If it broke the keratin covering, just like you are in my fingernails, it grew back. If they broke off the covering, it would grow back. If they chipped it, if they damaged it, it would grow back. Now, if they broke the bone underneath, that wouldn't grow back. So their horns were amazing because of that keratin covering. Well, that covering made them longer and sharper. So if you ever see the skeleton or the skull of a triceratops and you see the horns and you might think they don't look very sharp. Ah, that's because they don't have the keratin covering on them. And that's what made them super sharp and super strong. Next is the frill on its neck. Now, you can call it a frill or you can call it a shield. It's okay to call it either one of those. I call it a frill. Most scientists call it a frill. But if you call it a shield, there's nothing wrong with that. So what is the purpose of that? Why do they have it? Well, some scientists believe that it kind of protected the neck. Because a a Tyrannosaurus rex who lived with Triceratops at the same time in the same place, Triceratops needed to be able to defend itself against something like a Tyrannosaurus rex. So that shield may have protected its neck. Now, some scientists don't think it was strong enough to do that. I disagree. I think it was that strong. I think that's what it was for. Because it was so big... It had to serve very important purposes. Some people say it was only used as a way to attract a mate or threaten a rival, meaning it might have been brightly colored and they could have used it. Like when you're driving down the highway and you see a big sign on the side of the road, let's say it advertises some business. That sign is called a billboard. What that means is it captures your eye. You can see it because it's big. 
Well, that's kind of what some scientists believe the frill on the back of the neck of Triceratops was like. But instead of having words on it, maybe it was brightly colored. Maybe it was there to draw the attention of another. But because it was so big, it had to serve more than one purpose. That's simply too big to be used only for that. And both the males and females had them. The boys and girls had them. So if both of them have them, they don't, they're, they're not using, the girls are not trying to threaten a rival. Most female animals don't fight with each other. The males had them maybe to threaten a rival, but not the females. So those were used for something else. Maybe they were used as a billboard to attract a female or scare away somebody else. Have you ever seen a butterfly when they have those big round things that look like eyes on their wings? What if, what if that frill had, now we know it had skin and and keratin that covered it as well, kind of like the horns. It protected it. What if it was colored like two giant eyes? Can you imagine how scared a predator would be if it looked up and saw something with gigantic eyes? They might think it's a gigantic animal. So maybe like a butterfly or some fish have, we call them false eyes. So maybe they had big eyes up there that were just made of colored skin or colored keratin that were used to scare away predators. Whatever they were for, I think they were used for protection first, and then everything else after that, who knows? But those, those frills are amazing. Now, again, if a dinosaur bit the frill, if a meat eater bit the frill, it could damage it. But if it didn't go all the way through the bone, the keratin that covered the frill would have grown back again. Or the skin. It might have had both of them on there. But whatever the case, whatever the case, that frill and those horns are amazing. And one other thing I want to tell you, I believe, now there's no evidence of this, but I believe that its horns were brightly colored. I think they may have been colored red or they may have been colored yellow. And here's why. In the animal kingdom, animals that have weapons or defenses usually advertise that the reason why a hornet is yellow and black those are warning colors to other animals that say don't mess with me because i can hurt you the reason why some venomous snakes are brightly colored is to tell you don't mess with me so maybe maybe triceratops had those two big eyes on the frill Or maybe they had brightly colored horns that tells a predator, do you really want to mess with this? Do you really want to try to mess with me with these amazing weapons? So whatever the case, that's what I think. And I think that Triceratops would have acted differently than all other Ceratopsians. Because with Triceratops... We don't find them in groups. See, when animals live in groups, and let's say a flood comes along and and drowns a bunch of them, they all get buried together. So we find them all together. So we say, aha, these animals live together because they're all right here. We find all their bones together. But we don't really find that with Triceratops. 
Triceratops kind of seemed like a loner, an animal that lived by itself, that didn't like large groups. I believe that the males, the boys, I think they lived by themselves most of the time. It's kind of like rhinoceros today. Now, I keep talking about rhinoceros, but it doesn't mean I'm saying that they're the same kind of animal. Rhinoceroses and triceratops are not related at all. They have nothing to do with each other. But I'm using uh, rhinoceros as our example because rhinos don't like to live in big groups. Sometimes the females will live together with their young for a while. But the males usually stay by themselves. The same thing with elephants. Usually the females and the babies all live together, but the males don't. They go off and they either live by themselves or they form a little bachelor group. So Triceratops seems to be an animal that didn't like living in big herds. It was more of a loner. So if you live by yourself, that means that if meat eaters attack, you're going to be easier to kill because there's more meat eaters hunting together. So I believe that Triceratops was a very aggressive Ceratopsian. And what I mean by that, it didn't put up with anything. The minute other Ceratopsians would see or smell a meat eater, I think they would take off running to get away from it. I think Triceratops would take off running right at it. I don't think Triceratops fooled around. If a Tyrannosaurus Rex walked up and saw a single male Triceratops, I think that Triceratops would put its head down and first come in and do a fake charge, a mock charge. That's where he runs at you and stops that says, man, you better get out of here. You see animals do that all the time, right? Where they run up and stop. Well, think about this. If you're a T-Rex and T-Rex is giant, And you come around a group of trees and suddenly there's a big male triceratops. And let's say his horns are bright yellow and red and he's got those big eyes on the shield. And you see that and it's coming at you. You're getting out of there. That's the same way rhinoceroses behave in Africa. If a group of lions happen upon a male rhinoceros or even a female, the rhinoceroses come after them. They don't play around. They don't run away from anything. I believe Triceratops did that. I think it was a very aggressive kind of dinosaur. It had to be because if you live by yourself and you're afraid of everything, you're going to get eaten. But if you stand your ground, dinosaurs are going to think twice about messing with you. So I believe that the females probably lived in family groups, at least when the babies were small. I think the females took care of them. I don't think the males did. I think they went on about their business. So. That's my opinion of what I think Triceratops, how it behaved. But then you get to how did that thing eat? And that is those cool teeth. Tyrannosaur, I mean, I'm sorry, Triceratops. When you look at a Triceratops, you see that it has that sharp beak. That is an incredible weapon, but it's also perfect for snapping through very tough, hard plants. Triceratops appears to be an herbivore. That means it eats plants. It appeared to be an herbivore that could eat anything. It could eat any plant it came upon. First, that beak would snap through the toughest wood, the toughest plants, and then its teeth. Now, its teeth 
they don't have just like regular teeth like other dinosaurs. They have a thousand teeth, maybe more than a thousand teeth in their mouth, but their teeth are tiny. And there's one next to another, next to another, next to another, on top of each other, row after row. We call it a battery of teeth. Now, not like a battery you put in a toy to make it work. A battery is another word that can be used to describe a group of things. So it had a battery of teeth. There's your new word for the day. For you young kids, I want you to tell your mom or dad, Triceratops has a battery of teeth. And they'll go, uh... What kind of battery? Was it a AAA or a D battery or a 9 volt? And you can look at him and go, Mom, Dad, oh my gosh, you need to start listening to the Dinosaur George podcast because I know more than you, and that means I'm the smartest person in the world. Okay, you can't say that, but you can tell them that you know they have a battery of teeth. So the most common fossil we find are the teeth of Triceratops. Because like a shark, a tooth falls out, a new one grows back over and over and over throughout their whole life. I told you that they might have up to 1,000 teeth in their mouth. So think about how many teeth they lose every month and grow new ones back. So the number one thing we find on the ground when we're looking for dinosaur bones are the teeth of plant-eating dinosaurs like Triceratops. We can find their teeth. So Triceratops is amazing. There's one last thing I want to tell you because this can be confusing. All right. All dinosaurs have a first and last name. All dinosaurs have a first and last name. You may not know that. Do you know there are two dinosaurs whose first name is Triceratops? Yes, there are two kinds of Triceratops. There is one Triceratops whose name is Triceratops horridus. That's the most common one you see everywhere. That was the big one. The other one is called Triceratops prorsus. 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 I hate that word. It's P-R-O-R-S-U-S. Prorsus. It's a hard word to say. So just like you and I, right? You have a first name. You have a last name. I have a first name. I have a last name. Do you know the only dinosaur in the world who we call by its first is the last name is Tyrannosaurus Rex? You don't call it. You never call him Triceratops Horridus or Stegosaurus Stenops. We always call dinosaurs by their first name, and we always say Triceratops. But I want you to know there's two different kinds of Triceratops. They look a little different, but they're both from the same family. So there's Triceratops horridus and Triceratops prorsus, and they look very similar, but horridus is a little bit bigger. All right, here is your challenge. Here is your assignment. If you are members of the Dinosaur George Kids page, I want you to go to that Dinosaur George Kids group page, and here's what I want you to do. Either set up a a scene of your Triceratops against a meat eater. It can be any meat eater that you have. I want to see what it looked like when those two met, 
you can set it up in your house or you can set it up outside in the grass so it looks real or in in on the lawn or wherever you want. But I want to see your pictures of Triceratops versus a carnivore. Or if you would like to draw, then here is your job. I want you to draw a Triceratops. This is your project, everyone. I want you to draw a Triceratops and I want you to make its horns brightly colored. You can use red or yellow or orange or whatever color you think would look cool, but the horns need to be different. And if you want to draw the shield on its neck, I want you to add two round eyes, make it look like eyes. It's not its real eyes. We know that. But I want you to create false eyes. If you're not a member of the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, that is a free group for everyone. It's free. You don't have to pay for anything. And when you go there, you can post cool pictures like the ones I'm asking, or you can post pictures of your dinosaur toys or whatever you would like to do. All right. So uh, that is your feature creature, Triceratops, the biggest member of the Ceratopsian family. When we come back, we're going to jump over into the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page, and we are going to learn about what all those people had to say. Let's take a break. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. All right, my friends, I have just logged into the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page, and now I'm going to go down and I'm going to look and see all the, all the cool stuff where everybody has posted their comments. And the first comment is going to be one of the most important because my friend Xavier, Xavier is going to turn six years old on the 11th of May. That means in only a couple of days. Xavier likes to listen to the podcast. Well, Xavier, I have a very special surprise for you. You have been given a membership to the Raptor Level Club of the Dinosaur George Patreon page. You are a Raptor Club member, my friend. Happy birthday to you. Your, your mom posted and let me know that you got a surprise. So there's your surprise. You get a shout out. You get a shout out for your birthday and you became a member of the Raptor Club. So watch for the mail. You're going to be receiving a Raptor Claw replica as your welcome gift. And you'll get to join us tomorrow. You get to join us for our for lessons. So happy birthday to you, my friend. And I hope you enjoyed your super surprise of getting a Raptor level club membership into the dinosaur George club. Congratulations, my little friend. That is so cool. All right, let's see. This is from, uh, this is from little Victor who says, hi, dinosaur George. I listened to your podcast about Utah Raptor and I liked it. Here's a picture of a pteranodon brushing Utah Raptor's teeth. I hope you like it. This is a cool, super cool picture. 
I love the colors of your Utah Raptor. I love that your pterodactyl, your pterosaur, your pteranodon is brushing its teeth. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that, is that me? Am I in front? Am I standing in front? Uh, okay. It's signed Victor. Victor, did you put me in a picture where a Utah Raptor is going to try to eat me? Ah, you naughty little kid. That is so, that is so cool. Victor, thank you, buddy. This is awesome. This is so cool. And I love your drawing very much. Uh, Thanks a lot for having me get eaten. That's just great. Okay. Here we have Benedict, who is three and a half years old, from Sydney, Australia, says, loves your podcast. Here is a picture of Benedict visiting the Australia Zoo and roaring like a T-Rex while standing on top of a Spinosaurus. This is so awesome, Benedict. This is awesome. There is a picture of Benedict standing on a life-size Spinosaurus. You are a very brave man for getting up on top of that Spinosaurus. But I love your T-Rex roar. I see your little T-Rex fingers. It looks like you have actually conquered a Spinosaurus. Thank you, Benedict. And thank you for listening. And thank you to everybody in Australia. Australia constantly remains the third most listened to country. You're the number three country in the world that listens to my podcast. So thank you all so much. I appreciate that very, very much. All right, Webb, age four, drew an ankylosaurus with a giant spinosaurus attacking. He says he loves my podcast and listens daily. Well, listen, Webb, thank you very much. I love your ankylosaur. I love that very much. That is crazy. And I like that that spinosaurus is trying to creep up on him. This is a great picture. I love the color, by the way. Congratulations, Webb. I'm so proud of you. You did an amazing job. All right, this one comes in, says, we just discovered the podcast and my son Teddy is in love. He's three. He would want me to clarify that he's almost four. Okay, mom, you should always say he's going to be four. His favorite dinosaur is Ankylosaurus, so he was thrilled to learn about Gastonia. Here is a picture of a mommy Gastonia and her baby being attacked by a Utah Raptor. This is great. Teddy, I love this. The project that I gave everybody when I mentioned in, in the Utah rap, I mean, in the Gastonia lesson was I said, draw Gastonia protecting its babies from a Utah Raptor. And that's exactly what Teddy did. Teddy, mom, I'm glad you guys and all the family, I'm glad you guys found the podcast. I hope you have been enjoying it. It is so much fun to do. All right. Here is Eli. Now, Eli has sent me some great pictures Elias, five years old, said, hi, I just wanted to show you I made a picture of Gastonia versus Utah Raptor from the last podcast. I put the baby underneath her. Eli, you are such a good artist, and that's exactly what I asked for. I said, draw a picture of a Gastonia protecting its baby, and here you have it. The baby is hiding under mom where it would be very safe, and that naughty Utah Raptor can't get to her. Great job, Eli. Here's your shout out, buddy. That was incredible. I love this one, by the way. My my good friend, J.W. Thomas. J.W. always posts the most fun stuff on this page. He posted a picture taken from one of the Jurassic World shots where it was in that round ball where you could ride it and ride in and out of the dinosaurs. And he said, I could stay in this ride all day. You and me both, J.W. You and me both. That would be the coolest thing in the world. 
Okay, my buddy Darko wanted to show his display during his science experiment. He was mixing baking soda, vinegar, and a few drops of food coloring to create a volcano spilling lava. He actually made a little volcano out in the garden, and he has all kinds of dinosaurs and looks like Titanoboas around it. So he has this awesome, this awesome volcano that's erupting right there in his yard. I am so proud of you, Darko. I love that science experiment. That was crazy. That was crazy. All right. Next, Alex from South Africa. He drew his dig site at school. His favorite is Mosasaurus. Can you do a feature creature on that one? Well, let me tell you what, Alex, if your mom or dad will go back, you can find that I did an episode on Mosasaurus. As a, mar- as, as a matter of fact, Marcio Beck, who's one of the members, was nice enough to post that it is episode, uh, it was released on December 17th. And so I hope by now you have had a chance to hear it. I love Mosasaurus too, and I love your drawing. That's excellent, Alex. You did a great job, and I'm very proud of you. All right. Here's another one from little Victor, who's almost set, or he is seven, and says, I like your podcast, and here's a photo of my toy Allosaurus learning Chinese at the same, and the same toy riding a pickup truck. Thank you for your podcast. I am also wondering, if water steals heat from Spinosaurus, why don't we feel cold in the shower? Ah, Victor, that's a great question. And we do. Victor, if you ever spend a lot of time, see, we don't get cold in the shower because we're using hot water and we can get out as soon as we start to feel cold. But if you were sitting in a bathtub, if you were sitting in a bathtub and the water started getting cold, you would start to become really cold because the water steals your heat. See, when you are standing in a shower, The water is running over you, but all the water isn't touching you at the same time. When you're standing in water, if you're in a swimming pool, then the water touches all of your body and it steals all of your heat. So it does happen, Victor, when you're in the shower, but it happens more slowly because the water isn't completely touching all of you. And when we start to feel a little cold, we simply get out. So that is a brilliant question. And I love that that Allosaurus is learning to speak Chinese. And it's riding around the truck because Allosaurus is my favorite dinosaur. All right. Here's one says my six-year-old son, Reed, is new to the podcast, but he's in deep. (laughs) That's great. He wanted me to post these pictures of Pterodactylus and Carnotaurus. Well, Reed, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Dinosaur George Kids page. I am so thrilled, thrilled that you are part of it. And I'm glad you guys found the podcast and I love your pterosaurs. I love that. And yes, they eat fish and they can fly. I love that very much. And your Carnotaurus is super cool. I see those sharp teeth. I see those little claws. I see the horns on its head. Reed, you did a great job. And I'm very, very happy that you did that cool stuff. All right. This comes from my very good friend, Shree. She says, um, What do you think, DG? Who's going to win the fight? A T-Rex and a Dilophosaurus against whatever the brownish gray guy is and a Brachiosaurus. Uh, Avi Kerbosaurus, which is Avi's name. Avi is one of our uh, Patreon members. Let's see, Avi, you've got, let's see, looks like you've got Dilophosaurus and Baryonyx. I'm guessing that's Baryonyx or Suchomimus. 
versus Tyrannosaurus and uh, that big Brachiosaurus. I think the big Brachio and T-Rexes are too big. They're just going to win. I think they're going to win the fight. But it's a great scene. He put these dinosaurs together in a scene. That's a great job, Avi. I love that very much. You did an amazing job. All right. Here's another one from little uh, Elias, who's five years old, that made a scene. I like this one very much, by the way. This one is great, Elias. You've got a scene of these dinosaurs. It looks like we have a dead carnivore in the river. It looks like you have your ceratopsians side by side to defend themselves. You even have a giant sea turtle. Loved it. Loved it. And then, and then, this is so cool. The Taylor family were some of the first people to come into my new museum out at Trader's Village. This is so cool. The whole family came out and spent a lot of time looking at everything, uh, Lauren, thank you guys so much. And thank you and your family for coming in and always being so supportive. And by the way, uh, you guys are members of the Tyrannosaurus Patreon Club. So thank you guys so much for your support, always supporting me and what I do. And thank you. It was great seeing you all. Oh, this is cool, too. This is cool, too. Um, Avi's car has a picture on the back window that says, your stick figure family was delicious. And it shows a T-Rex eating a whole stick figure family on the back of the car. That was great. Okay. Booski um, drew a mummy Gastonia and her baby. Well, a mummy, a mom. And her baby with some Utah raptors behind him. He added Allosaurus because he knew it was my favorite dinosaur. While drawing this, he had a question. Why do those spikes grow on, on baby Gastonia? We read on a book that the babies don't have spikes, but wondered when they start to grow and are they hard or do they get hard as it gets older? What a great question. What a great question. Well, they probably had tiny little bumps when they were in the egg because if they had big horns, they would crack the egg early. But as they grew, those horns would have grown quickly. So it's like when, when you were a baby, you had fingernails when you were a baby, but our fingernails don't grow super fast. But I'll bet you baby ankylosaurs like Gastonia, I bet you the horns would have started growing very quickly. So it may have come out of the egg without horns, but they would have grown very quickly. And I love your Utah Raptors. And I love that you made all the horns a different color on your Gastonia. What a great, great job. I am so proud of you. That is absolutely awesome. All right, my friends. That was, uh, let's see. Oh, by the way, Avi asked a question, wanted to know if T-Rex could attack a Brachiosaurus. If they live together, they don't, but you know that. But if they live together, I think T-Rexes, even as big as T-Rexes, I think it would have stayed away. I think it would have stayed away from Brachiosaurus. Brachiosaurus is simply too big. When you're a carnivore, you have to be very careful. You have to be very careful because if you get injured, your life could be over because you can't catch food anymore. So I think they would have stayed away. It's sort of like lions in Africa today. Lions simply are not going to mess with elephants. Now, if they can catch a baby elephant by itself, they may try to kill it because there's a lot of meat. So if a carnivore could catch a baby Brachiosaurus by itself, it would certainly want to attack it. But I think mom and maybe even dad would have stayed very close by. 
to be able to defend the babies. Because the number one job of all animals on earth is to make sure that they have babies so that there's more of those species. They, they want lots of family members. And so I think they would have gone out of their way, which reminds me about one other thing I wanted to mention about Triceratops. I think that if Triceratopses ever were in a small group, like with the females and danger approached, I think the females would have stood side by side, or they may have even made a circle and kept the babies in the middle. There's an animal called a musk ox, which they do that today. Musk ox do that today. That's how they protect their babies from wolves and bears. They form a circle around them. So it may be possible that Triceratops did that, but I don't know if they lived in those big groups. All right, my little friends, when we come back, we are going to do an Ask the Dinosaur George questions. Let's take a break. Bring Dinosaur George's traveling exhibit to your school, museum, or city. This is the largest exhibit of its kind in North America and will turn any facility into a natural history museum. You'll see things like prehistoric mammals, giant fish, ancient reptiles, and of course, dinosaurs. It's affordable, amazing, and will be an event you'll never forget. See complete details at dinosaurgeorge.com or call us toll free, 888-487-7478. Bring Dinosaur George's traveling museum to your community today. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right, this first question comes from Jonas, who is eight years old from San Antonio, Texas. Jonas says, I love your podcast. Did T-Rex have fur? Jonas, I'm so glad that you like my podcast. And this is an interesting question. Maybe from a distance, they might have looked like they had fur. But if they had anything, it would have been feathers. But they weren't feathers like you see on the wings of a bird. Have you ever seen a baby penguin? They look kind of fluffy. Because their feathers are kind of fluffy because they don't fly. Well, if anything, that might have been what baby T-Rexes look like. Maybe even the adults had them. But if they had feathers, I don't believe they would have had big, long, giant feathers. Maybe they did on the back of their neck. Maybe they did on their arms. And maybe they did on the end of their tail that they could use as a way to attract a mate. Kind of the way birds do today. But if their body had it then it probably would have looked like fur, but it actually would have been feathers. All right, Oliver, age six, from Sydney, Australia. How fast can Mosasaurus swim? Oliver, it's a great question, but there's a problem. It's very hard for scientists to know exactly how fast something was that lived in the past. See, when we measure the legs of an animal... We can sort of estimate their speed. But when it comes to being in the water, it's very difficult because we don't have anything to judge it by. We don't know. I would guess, Oliver, that it would have been fast. Now, I know that's not a good answer, but that's the best answer I have. I think it would have been very fast. I think they would have been very fast swimmers. 
because of the way their body was made. They're made for swimming fast, changing directions quickly, and that would have made them one of the top predators. Okay, Lucia, age eight from Austin, Texas, or maybe it's Lucia, depends on how you pronounce it. Hi, my question is, how big was the egg of a T-Rex? Great question. We don't know because they've never found an egg that they can say absolutely came from a Tyrannosaurus Rex. We can find dinosaur eggs. We can find their eggshell. But the problem is, unless there's a skeleton of the baby in the egg, we can't say for sure who laid it. And there is no skeleton, a baby skeleton in the egg of a dinosaur that we can say was Tyrannosaurus Rex. So I cannot tell you how big the egg was, but if they laid eggs, those eggs would have been fairly big. Like, let me think, maybe close to the size of a small watermelon. I hope that kind of makes sense, but that's a great question. All right. Isaacy Packy. All right, this Isaac, Isaac is a member of our Patreon club, and Isaacy Packy, who's eight years old, from Seattle, Washington, wants to know, was Diplodocus the longest dinosaur, or was Patagotitan the longest dinosaur? Well, Isaac, again, you have asked me a hard question. When we find big dinosaurs like Seismosaurus, like Diplodocus, Barosaurus, Mementosaurus, there is always an argument of who is the longest. But it's because we've never found every single bone of those dinosaurs. So we have to guess how long they were. And even if we found every bone, we still don't know how close together the bones were. If there was, if there was something called cartilage, which is kind of like this rubbery stuff that goes in between bones... We have them in our backbones. We have cartilage in our backbones. We don't know how thick that was. And, and so we don't really know for sure. I think that most of the things I've read says Seismosaurus is the longest from the tip of its nose to the tip of its tail. But that's, again, based on estimates. Great question. All right, Reed, age five from Houston, Texas. Are Carnotaurus's arms longer or shorter than Tyrannosaurus rex? Reed Carnotaurus's arms are shorter than T-Rex. Carnotaurus has the shortest arms of any carnivore. Its arms are shorter than anything. In fact, if you saw the dinosaur, you really wouldn't even see its arms. You would only see like little fingers sticking out of the skin on its chest where the arms would have been. Its arms were almost going away. So with Tyrannosaurus Rex, you can see it's T-Rex's arm is about as long as a human's. Carnotaurus is a fraction of the size of a human. So the longest arms of these two would have been Tyrannosaurus Rex. Good question. All right, Pax, age five from Burbank, I think California. Are Stegosaurus born with their plates and tail spikes? Brilliant, Pax. Brilliant. Probably not. Just like I was describing a minute ago about how Gastonia babies probably were not born with their spikes, I don't think Stegosauruses had spikes or plates yet. Because if they hatch from eggs, and we assume they did, and even if they didn't hatch from eggs, if they were born alive, ouch, that would hurt mom a lot. So I think that there would have been little bumps where they were going to be. 
And after the babies hatched out of the egg, I think they started growing very quickly. The little bumps started turning into plates and the little bumps on the tail would turn into spikes. But I don't believe they were born with them. Good job. Okay, Jojo, age six from New York. Hi, George. I love your podcast. Thank you, Jojo. Here's a shout out to you, my friend. Joe just says, my question is, were there any Arctic dinosaurs? Yes, there were, Jojo. Yes, there were. There were dinosaurs that lived where it was cold a lot. There was an Arctic troodon. There was, what, what is this, Nan- Nanookasaurus, I think. Is it Nanookasaurus? Oh, my gosh. I can't remember its name. There was a, a sort of a tyrannosaur that lived where it was cold. Cryolophosaurus lived where it was cold? Yes. There were animals. Now, the Arctic back then wasn't always frozen like it is today. It was cold, but it wasn't like frozen sheets of ice year-round. There were there was plenty of plants up there that grew. I think the coldest parts would have been the parts near the ocean. But as you went inland where all the trees were, I think it was relatively warm. I believe it was. All right, Jackson, age nine, from Catarogus, New York. Catarogus, is that how you pronounce it? Cataragus? It's a beautiful name. New York is a beautiful state. Jackson says, I would like to suggest the Compsonathus for the feature creature portion of a podcast. And did Compsonathus have venom in their teeth? Compies would make a great subject. Jackson, I'll add that to our list. That I want to do one about Compsonathus. Now, in the movie Jurassic Park, they showed the compies. They said the compies were venomous, and if they bit you, it would slowly kill you. Now, that was just for the movie. There is no evidence that proves that they did. But there's no evidence that proves that they didn't. Dinosaurs are related to reptiles, and a lot of reptiles are venomous. They got that from somewhere. And so maybe some small dinosaurs had it. And I say small because you would only want it if you were little. If you're giant, you don't need venom. I mean, just the bite alone of a giant meat eater is going to cause an animal to die from blood loss. So if there was a venomous dinosaur, I would say it would be a small one and a compi would be a perfectly good choice for that. All right. uh, Let's see. Kenzo, age four from Malaysia. Hey, Kenzo. Say hey to everybody in Malaysia for me. Hi, Dinosaur George. Thank you for making the podcast. I really love it. I'm so glad, Kenzo. Thank you. I listen to it almost every day. I really love dinosaurs. Thank you for teaching me a lot about dinosaurs and new creatures. Well, first of all, Kenzo, you're very welcome. And please say thank you to your mom and dad for letting you listen to my podcast. Kenzo says, I have a question. Why do T-Rexes have feathers? And do acrocanthosauruses live in coastal areas? All right. If T-Rex had feathers, it probably used them as a way to get the attention of another T-Rex. Meaning, if I'm a boy T-Rex and you're a boy and you come into my territory, I want feathers that are either on the back of my head or on my little arms or on the tip of my tail so I can wave them around and say, dude, look, do you see me? You're on my turf. You need to leave because if you stay here, we're going to fight and I don't want to fight, but I'm going to protect my turf. You need to get out of here. Or if you are a boy T-Rex and you see a girl, you want to be like, hello, ladies, 
Did you see my lovely feathers? Aren't I the cutest T-Rex you've ever seen in your life? Now, maybe some little baby T-Rexes were covered in furry-looking feathers, but that would have been there to help them keep them warm or maybe to camouflage them, to hide them. Because other predators would have wanted to kill baby T-Rexes, not to eat them, but they just don't want them to grow up to become big T-Rexes. So there's a couple of reasons why, if T-Rex had feathers, why they would have. And as for your question about does Acrocanthosaurus live in coastal areas? Yes, it does. We know that because we find its footprints. We find the footprints. We find the footprints of those animals along areas that was the shore of the ocean. So it appears that Acrocanthosaurus liked being near the ocean a lot. I think it liked being near the ocean a lot. All right, my friends, it is time for Who Would Win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops? You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right, my friends, remember, the only way you can submit a Who Would Win is if you are a member of the Tyrannosaurus Rex Club in Patreon. So all of these are going to be submitted by Tyrannosaurus Rex members of Patreon. Let's start with Levi Raptor. That's the other thing. You get to name yourself. Levi Raptor. Levi. T-Rex versus two Utah Raptors. Like this one. Now, Utah Raptor would have been faster. It certainly would have had incredible weapons. And two of them may have been more than a match for Tyrannosaurus Rex. Levi, it's possible. It's possible that Utah Raptor could actually beat a Tyrannosaurus Rex, but there's only one way it could do it. And that would be if it could get a running start and crawl up the side and onto the back of a Tyrannosaurus. Because once you're up there on the back, there's not much T-Rex can do except for shake and try to throw you off. But let me say this, if T-Rex even gets a slight bite, he's going to win because the tiniest bite from a T-Rex is still going to be incredibly huge. So I'm going to say that Utah Raptors would stand a chance, but I don't know for sure if they're going to be able to take on something as big as Tyrannosaurus Rex. All right, Hennessy, which by the way, after I do this, who would win? We're going to do an interview with Hennessy. Uh, she was chosen to be interviewed. So Hennessy said, who would win? Andrew Sarkis versus Dimetrodon. Oh, I like this one. I like this one a lot. Andrew Sarkis has got incredibly powerful teeth. Dimetrodon has a mouth full of, as, as, full of them as well. But Dimetrodon's body, its legs are kind of sticking out to the side, sort of like a, a, a alligator. And that would suggest that it's not as quick as Andrew Sarkis, who has legs like a mammal that stick down from its body. I'm going to say, Hennessy, that in this case, I'm going to give it to Andrew Sarkis because I, I say that he can turn really quickly. And that means that if you're fighting and you can run around and get behind your opponent before it turns around, then you can come in and give it an incredible bite. 
either grabbing it by the side of the head or by the back of the neck. Now, the benefit of having that big sail is maybe that would have helped defend it a little bit, but we don't know for sure what the sail was made of. We don't know if it was super hard or if it was soft. Now, it doesn't look like it could bend very easily, but, uh, I mean, there was bones in it, and maybe that made it rigid enough to where Andrew Sarkis couldn't break it. But even if he could break it, I don't think it would hurt the Dimetrodon that much. But I still think Andrew Sarkis could get around and rush in and grab him by the back of the neck. I think that I'm going to give this fight to Andrew Sarkis. All right, Isaac and Samuel, they say Truodon versus two compies versus Dinosaur George. You stinking little kids! What are you doing throwing me in with Truodon and two compies? Why Why do you kids continue to throw me in with these things? All that ever happens is I get eaten every time. All right, first of all, Truodon has the biggest brain. He's going to figure out a way to win. Even though there was two compies, Truodon is too much for them. And that leaves Truodon versus me, you little stinkers. All right, everyone knows. I have a super secret weapon, the most powerful weapon ever invented. And to use it, all I have to do is raise my arm. And from under my arm comes my deadly stink bomb, the most powerful smell on earth. I can wipe out an entire herd of dinosaurs with one mighty stink bomb from under my arms. Truodon doesn't stand a chance against the mighty stink of dinosaur George. There. What do you think of that? I can't believe you two did that to me. All right, let's keep going. Eli and Sammy want to know Herrerasaurus versus Carnotaurus. Love this one. Carnotaurus has the size. Herrerasaurus has the speed. They both have relatively powerful teeth. But one thing Carnotaurus has that Herrerasaurus doesn't. Herrerasaurus is from the Triassic period. Carnotaurus is from the Cretaceous period. The dinosaurs that come along later have millions of years of experience that is sort of in their brains. They have all the things that have been learned by all of its ancestors They know how to react faster. They have bigger brains. They're smarter. Think of dinosaurs the way you think of a car. Cars that were made in 1905 are not nearly as amazing as a car that was made in 2012. Because of technology, we can do. Our cars today are way million times better than cars from the past. Well, that's kind of the case with dinosaurs. Their brains, their bodies were better. They were better models than the earlier ones. And because Herrerasaurus came first, I'm going to give this fight to Carnotaurus simply because it has more brain power and it is able to figure out. It's able to figure out things that Herrerasaurus probably couldn't. All right, let's go with Sawyer, who says Seats versus T-Rex versus Woolly Mammoth. Sawyer, you are the first one to ask me about Seats. If any of you have never heard of this animal, I need to do a podcast on Seats. It's spelled S-I-E-T-S, Seats. This is a, di- I think that's how it's spelled. Or is it S-I-A-T-S? Oh, you're going to have to, you're going to have to Google search it. 
A paleontologist named Lindsay Dano named this thing. It is an Allosaurus, but it lived in the Cretaceous. Some scientists believe it was even bigger than Tyrannosaurus rex. So if you have a giant Allosaurus versus a Tyrannosaurus rex, you're going to have an incredible battle. If Seatz is as big as they claim, I'm going to give the fight to Seatz. But if it's not as big as they claim, then I'm going to give it to T-Rex simply because of its power. Whoever wins this fight has to take on a woolly mammoth. And if it takes on a woolly mammoth, I don't think the mammoth is going to have a very good chance against them. Because the mammoth's only defense are those tusks. And it has to come charging in to use them. If you have a big carnivore like Tyrannosaurus or Seatz, before it gets the tusks into your skin, they can reach over and grab it by the back of the neck. I don't think a poor mammoth would stand a chance. I think it would be amazing. And I'd love to see that battle. So I'm going to say that Seatz wins. Unless it's not as big as they claim, then I'm going to give it to T-Rex. And here's the last one. And after this one, we're going to do an interview with a Patreon member. This is from Sean. Godzilla versus Dinosaur George. Are you kidding me, Sean? Are you kidding me, Sean? Me against Godzilla? How am I supposed to beat Godzilla? Even my deadly stink arm is not going to protect me against an animal like that? How? Can you do that to me? How can you put me in the ring with Godzilla when all I have is my little stinky underarms? <laughs> all right, let's do an interview. How would you like to be interviewed on a future podcast episode? Well, now you can. Become a Tyrannosaurus member of our Patreon club, and you might be chosen for an interview with Dinosaur George. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com to join the club. And now, let's meet a Tyrannosaurus Club member. Well, 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 today's interview is with one of my all-time favorite people and employee, I might add. Hennessy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, Hennessy, I'll never forget the day you and I met. I was speaking at a library event in, I think it was Colleen. It was, was it? It was in Burnett? Is that where it was? The first time we met, yes. That's right. And I remember after my lecture, this little girl with this gigantic smile came busting through the crowd <laughs> like she was on a mission. And you walked up and started chattering away about 500 miles an hour about dinosaurs. And I went, I don't know who this kid is, but I guarantee you she's going to take my job one of these days. Hennessy, I will never forget the day we met. And oh my gosh, that was a, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? Oh yes, I was like five. And I still have the dress I'm, I was wearing. I'll never, well, you look like a little paleontologist. And I'll never forget that. And you just came bounding up to me and just, you started talking 500 miles an hour. And at first I thought, uh, I think this lady is 25 years old. 
She doesn't talk like a little kid. She talks like a grown-up. And that's when we met. And then we became friends. And then uh, you helped me with uh, different shows, like the one we did in Colleen. Remember when we mm-hmm. did that show? Uh, I, we did two shows, right? One one year and one the next. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Because I know the one year you were walking around with a puppet showing all the kids the dinosaur puppet. And yeah. then you were showing kids around. So how long have you liked dinosaurs? How long has it been? Seven years. That's amazing. And how old are you now? I'm going to be 10 in August. Wow. So you have liked them most of your, most of your life. Mm-hmm. So what got you so interested in them? Well, my mom used to just let me, well, I used to usually just trailed around with my mom and she, we own a business called Knocked and Loaded. I'm actually in Knocked and Loaded right now. Right. And um, I have my own computer which is the one I'm on right now. Right. And I watch Amazon Prime, which I found something called Dino Dana, and that's where I got hooked. Nice. That's a great show, by the way. Mm-hmm. There was a Dino Dan show, too, and then there was one called Dinosaur Train. Now, Dinosaur Train is for little, little, little kids, yeah. and that's a great show, too. But all of those were really good. Well, I'm glad that you got connected to them. As a matter of fact, you know what's funny is when we were trying to figure out a time to schedule this so that I could I could interview you. I was laughing because one of the things I had to work around your work schedule because I know you work with your parents there at your store, so at, at your shop. So I was laughing because I'm like, never in my life have I had to ever work around uh, uh, somebody else's work schedule like this, <laughs> especially somebody who's as young as you who has your own job, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I even have... I literally used the cash register to ring, ring up people with their ammo. Are you kidding me? So you are also a cashier. Well, let's see. You're a dinosaur expert and you're a cashier at a at a store. Uh, that's pretty amazing for as young as you are. I know. And, I'm, and I have my own office, which I am in right now. <laughs> okay. I think you're coming to take my job, aren't you? you no. You are going to come in here and take my company away from me, aren't you? Absolutely not. Well, then maybe you should just come work with me then. That would be pretty cool. I've only done it twice, so yes. Well, absolutely. I guess I'm going to have to build you an office around here. Man, this is going to get expensive, kid. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about... Do Don't you worry, have- I have my own bank account. Okay, what? Seriously. You have your own bank account. Okay, Hennessy, listen. I don't even have my own bank account, I don't think. I'm going to have to check into that and find out. Are you serious? Uh, Maybe not. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So what is, now I know this is always a hard question, but what is your favorite dinosaur? Do you have a favorite dinosaur? This is easy. The Alaskan Trudon. Why do you like that one? Well, he was as twice as large as the... Um, normal Trudon, and he also had really serrated teeth. They weren't round like T-Rexes, but they were really, really blade-like, like a steak knife. That is so... And and you chose the the one from the polar regions because mm-hmm. it's because it's bigger than the, the one from the lower part of the North America? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Now, when, how did you learn about that animal? Um, Planet Dinosaur on CuriosityStream. Really? And mm-hmm. so that became your favorite. 
Yes. And now those but are pretty intelligent. Before it was Triceratops. Oh, who doesn't love Triceratops? Hey, you want to know something funny? Do you know this episode, this recording I'm doing of you right now is going in the next podcast, which is the Triceratops podcast? No, I had no idea. Well, how, what a coincidence. So yeah, this podcast was on Triceratops and Triceratops. Now I'm going to have to do one on a polar Truodon. <laughs> Well, you are a demand. If it's the normal Trudon or the Alaskan Trudon, it, I just have it. Just has to be a Trudon, no matter what. <laughs> and my second favorite dinosaur is um, Epidexipteryx. How on earth do you even know about that? I watch documentaries. That, that is exciting, though. I'm so glad to hear that. Now you know I, I haven't studied the the polar uh, Trudon. But I would imagine it probably has a big brain like its lower North American cousins. Do, do you know if it did? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it probably had a larger brain like it was twice the size. And I've heard that Trudon actually was three. Its brain was actually three times bigger than T-Rex's. I actually have a T-Rex brain. Nice. That's that's right. That's exactly right. I That's cool. Well, and you're right. And And when you figure that. Truodons were small, but they have those big brains. That's why you hear scientists talk about how um, how smart they were. Because they even have binocular vision. And what is binocular vision? Can you tell me what that means? Binocular vision would be like T. Rex's vision or human's vision. They would be facing straight ahead, and they could even see in three D. Monocular vision is whenever, like a Triceratops, and mostly herbivores, or no offense, but allosauruses, they were onto the side of it, and you had to actually kind of look the side to see what it was in front of it. That's absolutely a brilliant description. You're absolutely right. And so with Truodon-like T-Rex, they're not twitching their head from side to side to see what's going on. If they're looking at you, they're looking at you. One sec. All right. And that's amazing, though. That's That's absolutely amazing that... That you would uh, you remember that? Oh my gosh, you've got one of the original dinosaur George hats. I cannot believe it. That hat hasn't been made in years, and you have a collector's item right there in your office. And she's I wearing actually it. got it for Christmas. How? And cr- I have a baby Giganotosaurus's skull, saber tooth cat. Um, let's see, T Rex skull, T Rex brain. And T-Rex brain, yes. I also have a Mega Raptor Claw and a Utah Raptor Claw with the sheath and the stand. Oh, man. You've got an amazing collection. And I even have one of those things where you can set up in a frame, and it's a pterosaur. Oh, how cool is that? Really? That is the cool. You've got the, that's the coolest thing ever. You know, you, you have a job. You already work with me. In the traveling museum, you have this gigantic collection. You have a hat. Uh, so are you married yet? Absolutely not. Well, you realize now every boy listening to this wants to marry you because you're the perfect girl. You've got a bank account. You got Tell your mom and dad, mom and dad, I've got bad news. It looks like I'm going to get married because everybody knows I collect dinosaurs and I'm beautiful and I'm smart and I'm rich because you have a bank account. Seven hundred dollars in it. Okay, that's like six hundred and ninety-eight dollars and forty-seven. No, seven hundred. Yeah, but that's like six hundred ninety-eight dollars more than I have. So what a ripoff! What a ripoff! How do you have more money than me? 
I live in a parlor. <laughs> I seriously do have a parlor at my house, though. You do. That is the coolest thing in the world. That is that's just crazy. With the grand piano. Do you know how to play the piano? No. I don't either. I don't. I, I only would, know five notes, and that's it. That's pretty good. Yep, I understand. I can only when I play. I just it sounds like a cat's walking across the keyboard. My name cats. <laughs> so you you like dinosaurs, but what else? What other kind of things do you enjoy outside of dinosaurs? What kind of stuff do you enjoy? Um, I like uh, my sports. What kind of sports do you do? Archery. Really? Mm-hmm. That. Is so cool. I've only shot a bow once. Tell me a little bit about archery. What what do you do? Do you do you do in tournaments or you, do you just do it for fun? I just do it for fun. And I'll tell you something that's super, super crazy. But behind me is actually an archery range. Oh, how cool. Yep. So you- I have my own target, quiver, two bows. Um, one's a, they're both compounds. And I have my own row leads. And I'm about to retire from my old target because he's so, he's so shot at, his arm has literally been shot off. <laughs> he's an alien. His name is Huggy. He's a, he has gray skin with red eyes. And he's that's, like, that's your target. <laughs> well, and behind me, I actually have some dinosaur targets. No way. Look at that. You have a T-Rex and a Triceratops. What a cool... Oh, now I would love to see a video of you with one of your bows with your target practice. That is crazy. This is Rex, and I have no idea how I came up with the name, but <laughs> Triceratops is actually named Missy. Maybe because when you shoot at it, you're going to miss. I didn't think about that, but I just thought Missy's a good name for a Triceratops. That's so cute. That's taking up my entire screen. <laughs> so you should change the T-Rex's name to Hitty. You could have Hitty and Missy. <laughs> <laughs> You're hilarious. Yeah, I know. It's Sometimes crazy. too hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> Remember whenever you stuck your hands into a T-Rex's nose and you were like, Ew. Uh, that was the grossest thing I'd ever done. I had to go. And he did it, and he did it with it with Ed Montessoris too. <laughs> You're right. You're exactly right. I did it with the Ed. Man, you have such a great memory. I cannot believe it. So, what about? Uh, do you ever go, or have you ever been to any museums before? Absolutely. I've also been to the um, Children's Museum in Indianapolis. Wow. That's one of the best children's museums in the world. How did you like it? I love it. I've also been to the Franklin Institute. Only we went to the dinosaur museum next door and we saw dinosaur fossils and also some other things. We even saw a sloth, a baby sloth in person. Oh, man. A live one? An actual live sloth? That's so cool. I know, right? And it's hard to believe that their ancestors were 20 feet tall. That's insane, isn't it? I mean, they could literally just, and I could. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to describe it. So when you were at the Indianapolis Children's Museum, I have never been, but I've had so many people and I've seen so many articles about that place. 
Uh, did they have a lot of dinosaur stuff? Mm-hmm. That's so Yeah, cool. it was so fascinating. I even saw a transforming, uh, like, Camaro something. Really? It looked like B from Bumblebee. Oh, no, cool. No, Kitty, so it was... actually, It's actually from the end. It's actually in the front door. I so, don't remember too much about it, but I know they had, I think, some dinosaur stuff. How crazy is that? So you were met by a transformer. Yes. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I'm a transformer. I go from a sleeping bear to a waking human every morning. I go from a grizzly bear in hibernation to a human. I'm a transformer. Yeah, right. You probably snore a lot. Uh, I like to call it growling. <laughs> I told you probably have a velociraptor when you get up. Yeah, you have to do so many uh, virtual lessons. <laughs> I go creeping around the house. <laughs> I have a velociraptor right here. Okay, you. Oh, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. That thing. I saw that during one of the Patreon meetings. You held it up. That is. Is it like three D or how? How is that? Because it, it looks three. It's a. It's like a disc. It's kind of like a slide that you can put in this base right it has a line in it where a hole and it changes colors with a remote and then it's just the 3d picture and then if you turn it to the side it's just this plastic um ridge that's crazy and you also have a remote where you can literally just press a, a color button and it changes that color all right that is the coolest thing i've ever seen i like that thing a lot I love it. I got it for Christmas. That is is so cool. So let's talk about the Patreon Club because you are the most active member. And what I mean by that is you post a lot of great stuff. But the one thing about you, Hennessy, and you've always been such an incredibly kind person. One of the things that I really, really love about you is that when somebody posts something on Patreon, you always make the most positive and nice remarks about it. Like when, when we uh, chose people for interviews, you always congratulate them. You're, you're just such a kind person. And I just want you to know how glad I am that you're part of the club and that you've been a friend because you've been such a good person from the day I met you. Thank you. So do you like the club? Do you like the patron club? Absolutely. Well, you know what I mean? Huh? Uh, well, I was going to tell you what amazes me is sometimes when I do the lesson early, early, early in the morning for the people overseas, <laughs> all of a sudden I look, there you are. I'm like, Hennessy, you're supposed to be asleep, kid. What are you doing up? <laughs> Seriously, I today, every Thursday, like every, every Thursday, I I get up at five o'clock because I have a like a seven o'clock meeting in Harker Heights and I live in Lampasas, right. Vernon County, actually, but... Right. My address is Lamb Passes. Right. You get up what what time in the morning? Five. Uh, I didn't even know there was a five in the morning. <laughs> when did they start that? Since forever. Uh, no, because my clock says my clock goes from ten o'clock at night until seven o'clock in the morning. There's no thing in between. There's no times in between that. <laughs> That's the time you're asleep, sis. Oh. Is that what it is? I yes. Just, I just look thought at I, your clock. I thought I had a defective clock. 
Apparently, you have a digital. I have like an acoustic, I guess. Nice. Very cool. So um, let's talk about the lessons because you always, I, I could spend the whole lesson. You could answer every single question on the lesson. I think you could answer every question I ask. Do you, do you enjoy the lessons? Absolutely. Is there a subject that you would really like to learn about? Is there something you would really like to learn about? Hmm. Small feather dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, maybe we should do a lesson on Truadon and do one on its intellect and what that means. When we say it's smarter, what exactly does that mean? That might make a pretty fun lesson. Mm-hmm. I may have we to. We could even do some brain tricks. See if we're smart, it's a true Ooh, I like. Like if you think you see a skull, it might just be dancers just like playing cards or something. That would, you know what? That would make for a kind of a cool class. We'll test your true knowledge. Or maybe we could do like a silhouette of an animal and we all have to guess what the animal is and whether we should attack it. Or run away from it. <laughs> Ooh. Maybe you could even just give a body part. Ooh. I like that. I'll only show everything's eye. What is it? Uh, it's an eye. Okay. <laughs> what should we one do? Of my fav- and one of my favorite, um, like, medium-sized theropods would be Electrosaurus. Why do you like Electrosaurus? It's probably because of the name, and he actually lived with... Um, Gigantoraptor. Right. That's very good. I like Electrosaurus too. You know, something that never gets a lot of attention, I'm glad you brought that up, is you never see the medium-sized carnivores get any real attention. Yeah. You know, it's always the giants and sometimes the tiny ones. But you're right. Uh, uh, Electrosaurus is an example of, maybe we should do a lesson on, on, uh, little known dinosaurs where we get to talk about some of them. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, and whenever you said that Minmi was the shortest name of the, of the dinosaurs, I actually caught it. Then I thought it was Zool, the ankylosaur. And then I realized, no, 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 no. This is actually my long. That's the, oh, right. that's the entire name. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and I don't know if there's anything shorter than Minmi anymore that's a, that's a legitimate dinosaur. But I think it'd be hard to name a dinosaur with only three letters. What could you yeah, name it? Yeah, it's him? called my, <clears throat> excuse me, but it's only a pound um, um, in weight. Right. Only a pound. Wow. So that's like the size of a small house cat. It's smaller. Yeah, good point. Yeah, you know... Apodexepteryx is only the weight of eight spoons. Yeah, how crazy is that? Half a pound. I mean, seriously? Yeah. And I've seen dinosaurs that were my size and my... And longer than any human that's that's ever lived. And it's like this tall. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You'd never suspect that how many tiny dinosaurs there were. You know, like I said, we uh, when when they discover a new dinosaur species, the only ones that the media is interested in is the big ones. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing they seem to report on. So then the little guys get lost. 
I'll tell you something I got to see. I got to see pictures of some small carnivores that they are finding in China that have the most amazing feather patterns you've ever seen in your life. Have you ever seen those birds that, that live in the Amazon? People often call them birds of paradise that have those crazy long tail feathers, like with an eye, like from a peacock and that kind of thing. Absolutely. They found dinosaurs with that. These long, like they found one that had died and got buried in this, in this fine sediment. And so when they split the rock open, they could see the skeleton, but they could see the outline of the feathers. And here were these two long, almost the feathers are almost longer than the dinosaur itself. And there was just two of them. They came oh down gosh. and curled with a big eye on them. Like you would see on a peacock. Oh my gosh. It's kind of like a butterfly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And it makes you wonder, did those, did those false eyes trick other dinosaurs into thinking that was its head or could it scare them away? Or was it simply used to attract a mate? Or threatening arrival? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely threatening arrival. That would be crazy. That's and you can't see it from here, but I actually have a T Rex head um uh coat rack. <clears throat> I have heard of everything now. <laughs> you have a T Rex head. Dinosaur mirrors. What? Seriously. You have dinosaur mirrors. Listen, dinosaurs don't even look in the mirror. Why would you why would you have a mirror for a dinosaur? Okay, that's a stegosaurus mirror. I can see myself. Okay, this is creepy. I can see myself on your desktop on your on your screen and now I see my image inside the stomach of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Thanks for putting me in the stomach, kid. You want the head? You want the head? I could actually now say that okay, my head is in the head of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. I can now actually you're the brain. That's right. Yeah. I can honestly say that I was in the stomach of a Tyrannosaurus Rex one time. <laughs> and I can say that one, that a guy actually sneezed in my ear. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. That is hilarious. So I, Have I, you ever heard of Zuni Ceratops or Zuni Tyrannus? I heard, I've heard of Zuni Ceratops, but not Zuni Tyrannus. Uh, one of my favorites too. Really? He lived with Nathronicus. Nice. Yeah, Zuni Ceratops. I saw a little, uh, I almost bought a skull of a Zuni Ceratops once to add to my collection, but he's small and and people people are amazed that he's a relatively small Ceratopsian, of course, compared to some of the big ones like Chasmosaurus and Triceratops and those. But Styracosaurus. Oh, that's that's the one thing I desperately want to find is a Styracosaurus skull. I want a Styracosaurus skull so bad I can't stand it. I wish I could find one. I thought you had one. I don't. I don't. I've got Tyrannosaurus. I mean, I've got Triceratops and I've got uh, Diabloceratops. He also has okay. the little horns, but he doesn't have the big horns around the frill. But man, do I want a Styracosaurus skull so bad I can't stand it. What about Cosmo? Oh, Cosmoceratops is cool looking. That thing is cool looking. Um, Just cool? He's fascinating. Well, he is fascinating. You know what's weird about him is it looks like the little points around the frill look like they melted in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> we sure have a similar laugh. You know, we do. That's why I think we're related. I think you and I are actually related. I, I live in Lampasas. You live in San Antonio. Oh, and yeah. San Antonio is actually probably my favorite favorite 
city. Well, I hope you come to San Antonio soon so I can see you. Because it's been a long time since we've seen, I've seen you. I mean, I see you all the time in the lessons. But the last time I saw you is when we were in Colleen with the museum. Yeah. That was the last time. And that was like years ago. I think you, you were, you were a newborn baby that day. Seriously? Yeah, you were just born and no, you were. No, I was on the interview. That was the second time. I was holding a Triceratops puppet that was 15 pounds. Oh, that's exactly right. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you're right. You were interviewed. You've had your picture in the newspaper that day that I was in the library. And I also saw that you posted me on Facebook. And yes, we use your image on Facebook as one of our superstars. <laughs> so you are certainly, well, thank you. You're one of the most important people in this company. And I'm glad we have you as an employee. And I'm glad I know you. And you're the only child that on the day you were born, your first words were, Dinosaur. That was Bridget. Oh, okay. Well, sorry. I knew it was somebody. So anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been cute, though. That would have been very cute. Your mom and dad would have been mad. They're like, she didn't say mom or dad. She said dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you're my dad because you are crazy about dinosaurs. Well, see, I told you we're related. You've got to be my niece. I think you and I are related. I'm going to have to look through our family tree. And if I look up in the family tree and I see a little monkey, I'll go, oh, that's Hennessy. She's she's related to me. (laughs) She's the monkey in our family tree. that? (laughs) I don't know. It's the only joke I could come up with on short notice. And I have three trilobites, which are real. Oh, nice. I love trilobites. And Ammonite from your website. Oh, very cool. I like Ammonites and I like trilobites a lot. Ammonites are beautiful oh yes yeah there's absolutely. even huge ones that are about this big about the size of my head and you can actually see mosasaurus teeth marks where they um actually bit the shell and they couldn't crack them open but ammonites are very nimble swimmers but they do it by the pre- by controlling the pressure inside their shell so if they can't control the shell with the water flowing inside the shell they're dead that's right that's exactly right. And you're right. If, if uh, Mosasaur bit through the shell, of course, it would crunch the shell and get the get the ammonite that's inside. But you're right. If they just crack it, they could still cause the death of the ammonite. They may not eat it, but that poor ammonite won't be able to swim. He's going to sink to the bottom and that's the end of him. Oh, no. Mosasaurs, their jaws, there aren't strong. Even their jaws aren't even strong enough to crack the ammonite shell. Well, they buy a nutcracker from a Walmart and then they swim up and they crack the ammonite. What? You know what? I'm just telling you science child. I'm trying to teach you. No, you're telling me jokes. (laughs) (laughs) There were no nutcrackers or wood in the sea. (laughs) Nor plywood or paint. Well, how would I know this? I'm only telling you what I know. You're just joking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Hennessy, this podcast is now heard in 85 countries around the world. Is 85? There, 85 countries. Is there anything you would like to say to all the people listening all over the world? What would you like to tell them? Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you love Triceratops and all these different amazing creatures. And, and that has got to be probably the coolest thing I've ever heard. Hennessy, you are incredible. 
I'm so glad you're an employee. Thank you very much for joining me. Have a great day, okay? Bye. All right, my friends, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed learning about Triceratops today. I hope you enjoyed that interview with my little friend, Hennessy. I hope you enjoyed all the who would wins and all the other things. Um, remember your project, if you'd like to do it. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. And post your pictures of your Triceratops toys battling carnivores. Or if you'd like to draw, draw a picture of a Triceratops. And remember, make the horns on its head brightly colored so that they look kind of cool. And if you will, add a couple of eyes to the frill so it looks like it has giant eyes. That is your project, everybody. Until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of the people around you. Be kind to everyone. The world needs more nice people. And I know you are a nice person because anyone that likes dinosaurs has to be nice. For those of you in the countries all over the world that listen to this podcast, thank you. I think all of you are like family. I love you all. And thank you for being so good and listening to my podcast. Till next time, everybody, take care, and I will see you all again soon. Thank you for listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah!